Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20. Here in this passage, the Apostle writes, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's a real mystery to these words. But the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that their earthly bodies were the temples of the Holy Spirit. And that God has chosen these frail and temporary earthly bodies to be the residence of his Holy Spirit. Now, we often marvel that the Lord Jesus came to this earth as a child and was born in a manger where the cattle ate their food. And it seems that the King of Kings should have been born in, in, in a more noble setting. But he chose a cattle feeding trough as his birthplace. And it would not surprise us, therefore, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in equally humbling places. These earthly bodies, frail and full of blemishes, with the struggles and the effects of sin. But Paul assures us that when Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, he came to live in these earthly bodies, these bodies of those who believe in his name. And he makes these earthly bodies his temple. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What is a temple? Well, the temple in the Old Testament was the place where God chose to make his presence known. While the presence of the Lord, of course, couldn't be limited to this one building. He did choose to make his that presence known in a very special way in that place. And when Paul told the Corinthians that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit, he was telling them that the Spirit of God would use their earthly bodies to reveal and manifest the presence and power of God to this world. And if you belong to Jesus Christ today, then his Holy Spirit is in you and desires to reveal the presence and power of God through your earthly body. Now, the temple was also a place that was consecrated to God and his use. It was a holy place. It was not a place of worldly business. And the Lord made this clear in Matthew chapter 11, verses 15 to 17, when he drove out the money changers from the temple, telling them that the temple was not a place for this, their business, but it was a place of prayer and worship. The temple was separated from all other buildings in Israel and dedicated to the honor and glory of God. And if you are a temple of God today, this is true for you as well. You have been chosen and set apart by God for a special purpose. You have been called out of the world to be an instrument for the glory of God. 
That is how Paul saw his life. His purpose in life was to honor God. Everything he did in this earthly body had that as its objective. And he would not defile that earthly body by submitting it to sin. He illustrates that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15 when he says this, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. The, the Corinthians would never consider bringing a prostitute into their temple for worship, but, but they, they did not see the implication of that to their own bodies as the temple of God, and as a result, they lived in immorality. But Paul is telling us that if our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, they have been set apart and their purpose is to honor God and to bring him glory. Notice here in these verses that the apostle tells the Corinthians that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. The use of the word is shows us that for Paul, this was a present reality for the Corinthians. It was not something that they would aspire to, but it was something that had happened already and that their bodies were already the temple of the Holy Spirit because he was in them. Now, Paul would explain that more fully when he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The apostle tells the Romans here that if the Spirit of Christ was not in them, they did not even belong to Christ. Now, what is it that distinguishes the believer from the unbeliever? Isn't it the life of Christ in them? The Holy Spirit comes to live in the heart of the believer. The unbeliever can do good and uh, things and live a good life and be kind and generous. The unbeliever can be faithful in their church attendance and reading of their Bible. But these things do not make a person a child of God. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is the Spirit of Christ in the believer. Believers have the presence of God in them. Now, we refer to that in different ways. We speak about asking the Lord into our hearts. We, we speak about accepting Jesus in our lives. And, and these phrases are, are not just about changing our lifestyle, but about the very real presence of Christ and his Holy Spirit in our lives. The Lord Jesus comes to live in the life of the believer. And this is evident in the new life that individual receives. It's sometimes referred to as being born again because they are new creatures in, in, in Christ. 
It all boils down to the same reality that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the literal presence of Christ and His Spirit has come to dwell in us personally. And there is new life in us. And that new life is the person of Christ and His Holy Spirit. All who belong to Jesus Christ know the presence of the Holy Spirit within them, and they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The reality of this incredible presence of Christ and His Holy Spirit in us is something we'll never fully understand. How could God choose to live in these frail earthly bodies? Even the Apostle Paul expressed the absolute wonder of this when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have a treasure of inestimable value in these frail earthly jars we call bodies. The surpassing power of God is placed in an ordinary and common jar of clay, just as the Son of God was placed in an ordinary common cattle trough. This is the basis for what we spoke about in the last session. We are not to lean on our understanding because within us is a wisdom worthy of even greater confidence, the very wisdom of God in the person of Christ and His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us and to demonstrate the power and the wisdom of God to us and through us. And the infinite wisdom of God and the power to accomplish His purpose is there in you and me, in the presence and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. That is why the Holy Spirit has been given. He longs to enable us to accomplish the purpose of God, something we cannot do in our earthly strength. He longs to direct us in the plan of God for our lives. He is as real as our own thoughts, but infinitely more reliable. And if the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in me, to lead me, and His very real presence dwells within me, then it is for me to learn His purpose and to learn how to walk and to understand and to hear that the presence of the Spirit of God who comes to live in me. And I need more confidence in Him and His Word than in my very own thoughts. And I choose not to rely on my own understanding, which can be frail and faulty and deceitful, but rather to discern the leading and direction of God who lives within me, who alone is truth, and who alone leads me into the purpose and plan of God. Notice something else here. The phrase, temples of God, shows us something very, very important. Who is the owner of these temples of God? These temples are God's temples. 
Paul tells us, in fact, that the Lord Jesus actually purchased these temples, these bodies, when he says that we, as the temples of God, were bought with a price. In other words, we no longer have any legal right or claim to these bodies of ours. They no longer belong to us. The Holy Spirit holds the deed to these earthly bodies of ours because Jesus Christ paid the price in full to obtain possession of them. And he obtained possession. And when he obtained possession, he filled them with his spirit so that they would be the dwelling places where where the light of his presence would shine. He obtained possession of these earthly dwellings of ours so that they would be the instruments for the advancing of righteousness in this earth. The Holy Spirit is not a tenant in our earthly bodies. He is the owner. We belong to him, and he has the right to do as he pleases with our lives. Now, there are some people who feel that the Holy Spirit, because he lives in them, they can ask him to do whatever he wants him to do, but realize that we have been bought with a price, and it is the Spirit of Christ who has legal possession of my heart and my body. I am his servant, and it is for me to learn, to obey, and walk in obedience to him who is now my Lord. The Holy Spirit has come to equip and to enable us to serve the Father and to shine the light of his glory in this world. And for that to take place, he needs to be able to communicate with us and to guide us into the will of the Father. Now, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus reminded his disciples that they had been truly blessed because they had been given ears to, to hear. Matthew 13, 16 and 17 says this, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Not only does the Spirit of God come to live in our hearts, but he gives us ears to hear him. And and the challenge for us is to learn how to distinguish the voice of the Spirit. Now, as I go through the day, my mind is always active. I'm considering this matter or that matter. I I reflect on my options and and work out one issue after another. And, And some of us even think out loud and people passing by can hear those inner thoughts. But generally speaking, however, my thoughts are not audible. They pass silently through my brain and, and, and I interact with them throughout the day. And the work of the Spirit of God is not unlike that. He, he silently convicts us of sinful ways, showing us that this is not the path of God for our lives. And we hear that conviction in our heart. He he quietly gives us insight into the Word of God as as we read it and we hear his 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 voice speaking and applying that truth to our hearts. He places people in our hearts and minds to to pray for. He he leads us by burdening our hearts and minds to for to do something or to speak to someone. 
he, he gives us words to speak in a conversation or words of counsel to those that are in trouble. And, and, and we are even surprised at what comes out of our mouths. What we need to see here and understand is that the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us. And he is as real in me as my thoughts and my imaginations, but he is infinitely more reliable. And he will direct us into the purpose of God. Now, there are those who believe that the Spirit of God no longer speaks today. They tell us that we have the Word of God and no longer need the direction of God's Spirit. But the problem with this, however, is that it gives human reason and understanding too much credit. Can we truly understand the Word of God without the illumination of the Holy Spirit? Can we apply the truth of the Word of God without the enabling of that Spirit? Can I live the Christian life without His work in my life? Is the intellectual preaching of the gospel sufficient to save a soul? Can I accomplish the purpose of God in my own efforts? It's my understanding that when the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit, he was implying that they needed the Holy Spirit to live as God intended. And when Paul spoke to the Corinthians and told them that he determined to turn away from human persuasion, to, to preach in demonstrations of the Spirit's power, I understand from that that human intellect and persuasiveness is insufficient to convince a soul of their need of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, and He is not silent as He dwells within us. He comes to declare the purpose of God. He comes to lead us into the will of the Father. He comes to encourage us in our troubles and to guide us into the peace of the Father. He is our counselor. He is our guide. He is the very personal and living presence of God in us, the guarantee of our salvation and relationship with God. And we have an incredible treasure in these earthly jars of clay. And it is my conviction that I need to learn to know him. I need to hear his voice and I need to surrender to his enabling if I am to minister and serve as God requires. God has placed within us his very own life. In jars of clay, he has placed his Holy Spirit to enable, to convict, to empower. And if I am to live the Christian life, I must not lean on my own understanding. I must recognize that there is no good thing in me. I must not trust in my flesh, but I must surrender to the inner work of His Holy Spirit and to the inner leading of His Spirit if I am going to live and be everything that God wants me to be. Salvation belongs to God. It is He who saved me, but it is also He in the person of Christ in me and His Spirit within me that accomplishes the work. And if I am to live and walk as Christ intended me to walk, 
I must learn to hear his voice. I must learn to rely upon his leading, his direction. I must be able to discern the work and leading and empowering of the Spirit in my life. God has not left us as orphans. He has placed his Spirit within us, the very power of God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through us and in the lives of others through us.